Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are you doing this lovely day? Not too bad. How are you? I'm doing excellent. It's a beautiful day in Houston today, and things have kicked off nicely here in 2022, and I couldn't be more excited for this year. Lots of exciting stuff to look forward to, not only you know from oil and gas, but you know with AES, we're moving offices, which is exciting. And so just, yeah, again, I think there's a lot of good energy in the air. Agreed. Yes, sir. Well, one thing that we as one engineers and, and, and anyone in the drilling space is always interested is how can we increase ROP? It's always, you know, faster, 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 right? Because at the end of the day, it's all about economics. The faster you drill, the less it'll cost for your well to drill or it'll less, you know, everything will cost less. It's all about days, drill faster. And for us, there's only so much we can do on the mud side to help increase ROP, but it's important to sort of recognize and consider some, even properties, although one wouldn't say, you know, we can all of a sudden create a barn burner by adjusting some properties, but we can play a part in helping the rate of penetration. And so this is an idea that you came up with. I thought it was great is sort of some drilling fluid factors for ROP. And Matt, why do you think this is important? Well, I mean, first of all, as you mentioned, in the words of the great Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last, right? We're to race to TD. And so, you know, the fact is that fluids are part of a system. And yes, there's a lot, you know, cutter technologies is probably the thing that's changed the most in the past few years. And it's, you know, leaps and bounds had a tremendous impact. But as this technology continues to change, we have to revisit our fluid strategy and our fluid demand and say, okay, what's the sweet spot to maximize ROP? But keeping in mind that it's going to depend, like everything else, on what you're drilling through. So, you know, you may adjust one property, but it may affect hole conditions, and then bad hole conditions cost time and slow you down again. So how do these things sort of come together and when do they play a factor? I thought we could just run through a few of them and kind of, you know, get the conversation going. No, I think it's a great idea, Matt. So I would say off the top of my head, let's start off with inhibition. How does inhibition play a role in ROP? Well, if you think about it, having cuttings all in one piece, moving away from the bit as opposed to getting ground and reworked and stuck down near the VHA, that makes a pretty big difference as far as getting to new rock, right? So in a reactive formation, inhibition has a huge effect on ROP. And so this is why we would talk about how we drill faster with an oil-based mud in a reactive formation and why it may be the preferred fluid, you know, for those circumstances, you know, but it goes back to just getting even dispersion. If you're just trying to get reactive material clear of the cutter face makes a big difference. So you'll see a little bit of a theme as far as getting cuttings away from the bit and that relationship with ROP. Right. What about lubricity? So, you know, at the end of the day, the, Great Fred Dupreeze points out the mechanical specific energy or, you know, how much weight you're actually getting on the bit to cut the rock really matters. And so if you don't have good lubricity with your drilling fluid, you may be wasting a lot of the energy you're applying at the top drive to the drill pipe and to other things. And so now you're not cutting rock. And so sometimes when we do have 
ROP issues. And, you know, we always joke about the directional drillers, right? Like we had that lubricant and all of a sudden they're, oh my gosh, that's magical. And you're like, it hasn't left the bit yet. But <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those when the rest of the mechanical system isn't performing as you'd hoped, lubricity really matters. And it's another reason that even if I don't have a very reactive formation, oil-based mud may still be attractive just because of its inherently higher lubricity. It may be nothing else other than it is a really good lubricant as a system and it's easy to run. But at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is make sure all the energy I put in the pipe at the top of the rig is as much as possible as ending up cutting into the rock. Right. The next one that comes to mind, and it's one that I guess conceptually maybe a little bit sort of not really complex, but it has a few elements to it that, I mean, with lubricity and inhibition, they're pretty straightforward, but and with fluid loss, that's an interesting one. And one that I didn't quite understand until I had a few years of experience and really understood what was going on down hole map. But how would you describe how fluid loss affects ROP? Well, you know, higher fluid loss can actually increase your rate of penetration, which some people would say, well, but I want my fluid loss low because of the hole issues. And you're not wrong. But one thing that's kind of interesting, especially when you think about the way cutters work, they're more or less kind of extruding the rock, right? So there's a pressure differential between the formation and the borehole. And when you form that tight seal, you maintain that differential. And so that ground paste, if you, you know, when you look at a PDC cutting, you know how it looks kind of wavy? Yeah. That's actually a fine powder that's being more or less extruded or scraped away from the rock face. And that material, the faster fluid can enter it, the less of a pressure differential there is, the faster you can actually cut that and move that away. Otherwise, it actually, because of the pressure differential, remains very hard and requires more energy to move. And so if I have no fluid loss control, let's say I'm drilling with a clear brine, I get to benefit from that. And that paste, if you will, is interacting with the liquid right away, reaching that equilibrium pressure and able to move. It actually gets strengthened if the fluid doesn't leak off or is inhibited from leaking off. So that makes, you know, basically a seal makes extruding that powder material out of the way of the bit more difficult. And so, you know, the mechanism that is why clear fluids drill faster, no question. The problem is clear fluids do a lot of other things we don't like as far as leak off and other potential issues, stuck pipe. There's a reason that we do strive for tightened fluid loss, but there's a trade-off. And right. how many times do we talk about trade-offs in this podcast? Maybe a few. <laughs> Yeah, just a couple. And that's too why you'll see it's interesting if you look at a depth versus days graph, a lot of times, and again, this is area specific, just like everything else, but oftentimes when you drill out from underneath surface, most will choose just water and without any properties whatsoever, no fluid loss, you're not mudded up, just to maximize your ROP right out of the gate. And so if you looked at an area where you, again, you're drilling, say, with just water or clear fluid out from underneath surface, and then once you mud up, you'll notice a pretty, you know, it goes from being very steep to then all of a sudden it'll kind of just bend almost at the point where you mud up. And a lot of that's from the fluid loss. And, and you know, again, you're mudding up and again, you know, we'll talk about some other properties here shortly, but yeah, having zero fluid loss certainly can help. But you know, understanding the risks obviously is the most important thing. Next, Matt, plastic viscosity. How would you describe that one? So plastic viscosity is basically the viscosity associated with solids. And I know I mentioned before, it can also be the water droplets, but the effect, it's a similar concept. And 
quite honestly, we know lower PV, faster ROP, right? And some of that is actually related to just clear fluids and the nature of them. But there's also this thing called the hold down effect, or basically near the bit are the cuttings kind of held in place. And it's hard for the fluid to basically get around and move them away from the cuttings from the bit. And so a higher plastic viscosity tends to limit this. And it sort of ties directly into the other concept with respect to solids, right? Is fine solids make it worse, which are typically our low gravity solids. And, you know, another reason that plastic viscosity and higher mud weights create higher pressure differential, aka, you know, some of the fluid loss issues that we talked about, they're going to increase your plastic viscosity. They're going to make it harder for cuttings to move away from the bit. And then, you know, just as, you know, they're solids in general. So all those things are going to affect your rate of penetration. And I mean, when I need 16 pound mud, I need 16 pound mud. Could I drill faster if I was able to get a hold of some cesium formate or zinc bromide? Well, I suspect that you could, assuming you weren't going to have other hole issues, you'd also be paying an obscene amount of money, you know, for the fluid. And yeah. so you don't do it. But yeah, these things all come with trade-offs as far as, you know, figuring out where the sweet spot is as far as what I can do with my well bore and drill as fast as possible. Yeah. And there's been a lot of studies involved and a lot of this, again, it comes down to the economics. Whereas if there's a fluid out there that's solids free, while it may cost more, the trade-off is actually where you could drill fast enough where it could pay for itself and still be net ahead. But then oftentimes there's not. And, and so there's a lot of, you know, again, there's some areas where you can get away with it and drilling with a clear fluid, you can drill a bunch of barn burners compared to using say an oil-based motor or weighted fluid, but then in other areas, it's kind of a wash. And so, you know, again, there's a lot of studies and a lot of things to consider in saying, oh, well, why don't we just drill with a clear fluid? Cause it's just going to drill so much faster. Well, a lot of that depends on the rock compressibility and depths and just all sorts of other things that need to be considered. So while it's important to, I mean, really understand the concepts, there's a lot more that goes into fluid design, which we've talked about many times in, our, in this podcast, but it's cool to think that, you know, from our standpoint, a lot of times it's bit selection and BHA and well design, but even on the mud side, we can play a huge part in how fast we drill. So it's good. And it's just knowing and understanding what your limitations are and obviously the risks involved are extremely important, but you can be part of the conversation when it comes to drilling faster if, if you understand it well enough. Yeah. I mean, you're part of a huge system, right? You go back to limiter redesign. And so even the question of, Hey, you know, we want to drill with water-based mud. We want to try and drill with water or brine. Okay. A lot of unconventional formations aren't that reactive. I see no reason why you can't, but you've taken away one, you've introduced another limiter in that now you've gone back to something that's less lubricious. And so is there something else you need to change in your system so that you don't take a full step back? And it may be that you increase your torque thresholds. I'm going to use bigger pipe. I'm going to use, you know, high torque connections. I'm going to, you know, change some of these other behaviors and all things being equal, I can still, you know, going back to total cost of ownership, as long as that pipe doesn't cost too much or doesn't get junked more or that sort of thing, I can make that change, but you've got to balance all those things off in the whole system. You don't really get to pick and choose because they all have knock-on effects with one another. And so that, that's another good reason that if you're in the field and, you know, I think it's interesting. So really good salesmen, generally what they try and do is hitch their wagon to other really good salesmen, right? Like, you know, Justin, you probably know some folks who do directional and do other things. And Hey, who are your contacts? Who do you know? Mm -hmm. Who do you think would want to buy what I sell? But it's, you guys don't play in the same sandbox, but 
we're in the same business, right? Yeah. In the same way on the field, you know, you talk to the directional driller, you talk to, you know, the bit representative, Hey, what are we seeing out here? What does this look like? The more you can kind of take in what they see as their role in the system, you might be able to own more of your role in the system and bring something to the table that maybe we're, this fluid property isn't as critical. Maybe we can relax on this for the sake of ROP or no, trust me, this is going to create a bunch of problems, even though it worked for that one time way over there back in the day, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those, I wish there was more cross-training. What interests me is the fact that, you know, we could help each other out a lot more, but especially like the really big service companies, it's like, no, no, we have our own guy that does this, a gal that does this. And so, you know, we only talk to each other and how siloed those teams can get versus, you know, I think it's fun for us because I can go talk to a directional guy. I'll tell you anything. I don't really, there's not much you can say that I would be worried about creating an issue for me later. Like we just help each other out. You sell some more tools and help us drill more reliably and we'll sell some mud and help the customer perform better too. I really like that aspect of what we do and where we're at, but yeah, there's a number of these factors with fluids where you, it's not only you could adjust them, but how much can I relax them or how much tighter do they need to be? And we don't know. Right. Everybody wants us to promise it, right? Put our names on it. But it's like, look, try it and find out. We'll do our best to make it work and see if we bump up against something. Yeah. No. And there's certainly some operators who have a higher risk tolerance than others and will really push the limits because you'd be surprised on, you know, again, how hard you can push these systems or how close to the edge you can get. But again, knowing the risks and understanding the trade-offs that come with it is extremely important. So Matt, with that said, I don't have any other questions, anything else. You pretty much summed it up there, but just want to make sure you didn't miss anything. So I know you're a man of many words. (laughs) No, I felt like I had a lot to say there at the end. (laughs) I think I should stop talking now. I hope I said enough. No, no, it's always good, Matt. I know for selfishly, it's always good to hear your thoughts and, and I'm sure the listeners appreciate it as well. And with that said, everybody, please, if you could share this episode or if you know anyone that may be interested in drilling fluids, any engineers, again, anyone who deals with drilling, I'm sure would love to listen and learn a little something. And if you have any ideas for a show, please let us know. Hit us up on LinkedIn. Matt and I are very active on that platform. You can also check out our tech tips on YouTube. And again, visit our website. We have a lot of good information on there too. Just you know, a lot of the information that we discuss here on the podcast is also on our website. So if you're you know on a rig or if you're in your office and you want to read and, and get from more familiar with what we do and what we have to offer, please do so. You can hit us up at the Flowline Podcast at aesfluids.com. And with that said, everyone. Be safe out there. Have a wonderful day. Chat to you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.